Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. You're listening to AM Now, an accounting matters podcast. I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. This week, we have updates from the FASB centered on their most recent board meeting held last week, as well as a recap of their latest addition to the conceptual framework, honing in on the recognition and derecognition concepts in financial accounting. But before we get into that, we have a sustainability reporting story to touch on related to the ISSB's recent call for consultation on its future agenda priorities. That comment period recently closed, and investors are strongly encouraging the ISSB to consider additional topics as part of its future standard-setting process. So Matt, tell us a bit more about what this group is asking of the ISSB. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Recently, a coalition of 24 investors from six different countries, collectively managing assets exceeding $1 trillion U.S. trillion, have come together urging the ISSB to prioritize human capital and human rights in its next round of global reporting standards. This coordinated effort is a response to the escalating demand among investors for more extensive and higher quality workforce data, which has reached an all-time high. The call, backed by the Responsible Investment NGO Share Action, has been formalized in a letter signed by these 24 investors. Yeah, the investor letter to the ISSB comes in the wake of the board's request for information launched earlier this summer in May of 2023. The request for information sought feedback on where to focus the next set of sustainability standards. That consultation period, as we just mentioned, closed last Friday, September 1st. And as a reminder, back in June, the ISSB introduced its inaugural standards, IFRS S1 and S2, aiming to create a universal language for companies to report on the impacts of sustainability and climate-related risks and opportunities. However, this investor group is now urging a shift in focus, emphasizing the human dimension over the environmental. Consensus from this stakeholder group has asserted that the ISSB holds the key to establishing a global reporting framework that would empower investors to comprehend and address labor and human rights abuses. This would provide an increased level of transparency in corporate practices to tackle these critical issues. Yeah, the investor's letter further emphasizes the need for a holistic approach, urging the ISSB to explore how to disclose human capital and human rights information together. In practice, these two areas are intricately connected, with human rights due diligence processes serving as essential tools for identifying labor issues. Concepts like unionization and modern slavery, as the letter points out, belong to both categories. As the financial relevance of these social issues becomes increasingly evident, investors are calling for comprehensive and comparable social data from businesses to inform their investment decisions. This is why the swift development of human capital and human rights standards by the ISSB is considered a critical issue to take up. And moving along to our next item this week, the FASB held their most recent board meeting at the end of August discussing one of its key projects on its technical agenda the improvement to income tax disclosures. As a result of this meeting, several key tentative board decisions were made. First, they affirmed their decision to require public business entities to disclose a tabular reconciliation in specific categories. These categories include state and local income tax, net of federal income tax effect, foreign tax effects, the enactment of new tax laws, the effects of cross-border tax laws, tax credits, valuation allowances, non-taxable and non-deductible items, and changes in unrecognized tax benefits. A lot of things in that list. They also decided that entities should use a 5% threshold for 
Further disaggregation of reconciling items requiring separate disclosure if the effect of the reconciling item is equal to or greater than this threshold. Further, the FASB affirmed that public business entities should disclose rate reconciliation information using both percentages and reporting currency amounts. They also clarified that all reconciling items must be presented on a gross basis unless specific guidance permits net presentation of that item. The board decided to retain the discussion of materiality and the basis for conclusions and align the disclosure requirements on the income tax rate with SEC guidance. In addition, they affirm that public business entities should provide a qualitative description of the state and local jurisdictions contributing to the majority of the effect of the state and local income tax category. Yeah, and when it comes to income taxes paid, the FASB affirmed that all entities should disclose the amount of income taxes paid, disaggregated by federal or national, state, and foreign. They also decided to require this disclosure on an annual basis. Certain existing disclosures were also refined. The term public entity was replaced with public business entity and the requirement to disclose the nature and estimate of the range of possible changes in the unrecognized tax benefits balance in the next 12 months was eliminated. Like many other improvement projects by the FASB, they concluded that these amendments are expected to bring benefits that obviously outweigh the costs. And when might these changes become effective? Well, as part of their tentative decisions, they weighed in on effective dates. For public business entities, they decided that these changes would be applicable for fiscal years beginning after December 15th, 2024, with early adoption permitted. And for all other entities, these changes will take effect for fiscal years beginning after December 15th, 2025. Staying with the FASB, last week they rolled out a brand new chapter in its conceptual framework all about recognizing and de-recognizing items in financial statements. For those not familiar with the conceptual framework, it's essentially a tool the FASB uses to help set other standards. Yeah, in this new chapter, Chapter 5 of FASB Concept Statements Number 8, lays out the rules for when you should recognize or de-recognize something to or from your financial statements. The latest chapter aligns with the overall framework by laying down concepts that the board would take into account when crafting financial accounting and reporting standards. It offers the board a structured approach to creating standards that achieve the goal of financial reporting and improve the comprehensibility of information for both current and potential stakeholders, including investors, lenders, donors, and other entities supporting a reporting organization. The latest chapter introduces guidelines for recognizing and de-recognizing items in financial statements. These outline three key criteria for an item to qualify for inclusion in these statements. First, the item must meet the definition of an element found in financial statements. Second, the item can be measured and has a relevant measurable attribute. And lastly, the item can be accurately depicted and measured with a faithful representation. Additionally, the new chapter emphasizes that derecognition, which is the process of removing an item, like an asset liability or, or equity, from a reporting entity's financial statements, should take place when the item no longer satisfies any one of those three recognition criteria. There you have it. And that rounds us out for this week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, check out our other podcasts on the Accounting Matters feed and your preferred listening platform. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.